and we are back on another episode of We Making It Woo! I would like to say that this is a weekly conversation around success so that we can create some access so that we can all progress. I'm still working on this tagline, guys. Like, just bear with me. But, um, yeah, if you want to know what success looks like in your 20s, just keep tuning in so what happened last night by the time you get this episode what how would have happened last night was that I worked so hard to get the episode out with Tatiana and Jasmine Hearn in light of what collective terrains you better have came and came and seen us um but yeah so I was working on getting that together for you guys it was such a so huge shout out to Jasmine and Tatiana for being so um available and accessible they have been doing some great work and I was just really really happy that they were able to fit a little bit of time on the schedule to get some really great questions I hope you enjoyed that interview it's a short one and so if you haven't heard it already please take a listen I realized that in the last episode I didn't tell you what I was reading and I actually started a new book I know that I said that I was reading No Ashes in the Fire by John O'Moore but TBH it's not funny yet and so I just needed something that was a little funnier and so I started reading Notes from a Chef by Kwame. I'm not going to dig in my backpack right now. But he is from New York City. He's a famous chef in D.C. I think his restaurant is called Kith and Ken. And before that, it was Shah Bujo. Um, But it's a really, really funny book. His um, Shout out to you, Kwame, if you ever hear this podcast. <laughs> I really like I think you're really cool so far. Uh, his voice as a writer is very comparable to my inner head voice. And so uh, it's turning out to be a really, really great book. And also Questlove really approved the book. So obviously I'm a huge fan of Questlove, so I got to read it. Um, so, yeah, as always, if you want to be a part of the conversation, be sure to email me. Email me. Guys, you should really email me. I mean, I guess you don't have to you could dm me but i just want to know like how you guys feel about the episodes i love when people walk up to me and say like oh katie the episode made me feel so good um but i'd still like it if you dm me or email me let me know if that takes too much time it's all good so we have been talking about so many things in the last episode we talked about collective terrains we've talked about some immigrant artistry then before that we had a couple series so now we are going to segue back into our regular scheduled programs talking to artists about what they're making in light of an upcoming show. I'm so excited. And today, I have a really, really, really special guest. Really, really, really special guest. Can you introduce yourself? Yeah, wow, really, really special. Hi, I'm <laughs> Nana Chinara. Hey, hey, Nana. So if you are not familiar with Nana, she... Wait, what are your pronouns? I use she, her. I use they change often. Um, or that's not true. I use she, her mainly, but sometimes I'll mix it up and I'll say all pronouns. Okay, cool. She, so Nana, I can use she, Nana. her. Yes. Nana showed an amazing solo at work up at Gibney about two months ago. Yeah, it was March 15th, 16th. Yes, Nana and I met through Community Actionist Works. For those who don't know, I'm a community actionist at Gibney, and Nana works for Day One, mm -hmm. which is an organization that does... Uh, partners with young people under the age of 24 to try to end intimate partner violence. Yes, so we work together through some assemblies that we've done. Mm -hmm. Hands are for holding. Yes, and then I want to say we did a training together. Hmm. One of those trainings that you have to do in the beginning of the school year just to make sure we you... We did a meet and greet. That's what it was. It was a meet and greet there for all of the educators. We the there we go. There we go. There we go. And I was like, hi. 
Yes. And then, we, and then I saw you on the train. Because Nana Emily. lives down the street from my house uh, in Prospect Lovers Gardens. Also, guys, Emily and I are moving. So if you know of any places, just let me know. Yes, I hope it's in Flatbush. Because we need neighbors. Oh my gosh. She totally wanted to be in Flatbush. But I digress. So that's how we met. And now, if you have an upcoming show. On March or May. There we go. <laughs> Monday, May 13th at Judson. Which is in about a week. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about where you are as you're preparing for this show. That's an excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am so I am um performing the same work that I performed at Gibney that you saw. Yeah. Work at five point three. Um, it's called the the specific section of it is called She Looks at You, mm-hmm. and it's a part of a larger body of work called Haunts. Mm-hmm. Um, I am also just stepping into some fellowships and residencies right now, so I am currently kind of jumping back into that work for the first time since March. Wow! Um, because I've took some space and time from it, especially because I've been developing a lot of other projects on the yes. side. Yes. Um. Which we will talk which about. Which we can get into, yes. Um, and so I haven't been performing. Or yeah. rather, in April, I spent a lot of time performing with other people. Yeah. So I was in Maria Bauman's show. Right. And Nigel Whitson's show. Yeah. Um, shout out to them. Yes. We, yes, Maria Major will be in the show out. this weekend. Yeah. Um, and I'm coming to see you. Yes. On Friday. Yes. And thank you. And then Nigel, I know through Joy About. So shout out yeah. to both of them. Yeah. So I did a lot of March after March. I was really depleted. Um, yeah. So I didn't really do anything. And then in April, I did a lot of performing and collaborating with other people in small yeah. roles. Um, and so May, it looks like me jumping right back into that process, especially because I have these two fellowships and residencies. Yeah. Um, so I am kind of interested in relooking at the project or yeah. in fresher eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but also with a deeper reverence for the work. When mm-hmm. I did the performance and gave me, I thought that it was going to be the last one um, right. of of that particular piece. Haunts is consists of two segments. One, the first part is she looks at you. And the second part is called is my soul dragging my body or is my body dragging my soul? Mm-hmm. And they kind of bleed into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and in its fullest iteration, that is a an hour length, evening length show. Um, and it, it has derived. Let me tell you some of the history of the show. Yes, actually, that was going to be my next question. So last year, um, at Dixon Place, I applied for the Hot Festival. Yeah. Um, for one woman show, evening length, and I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I d- <laughs> I had no residency at that time ever. I never given me was my first residency. I had no one was giving me space. Like I completely produced and directed the show myself, an evening length solo show my, by myself. <laughs> It was that your wild. first time? Yes. That was your first time performing your own work? No. Okay. Um, but it was my first time performing my own solo work. <clears throat> I see. And I had performed my own work um, a little bit here and there in um, CPR, Center for Performance Research's Fall Movement Festival. Yeah. With a collaborator, Aya, uh, Aya Clark. Yeah. And we that was my that was my first time choreographing on other bodies. Um yeah. and that was called um Baptism Black and Bald. It was about being black, bald and queer. Yeah. Um and so that happened um in twenty seventeen, fall mm-hmm. of twenty seventeen, and then all of a sudden in the summer of twenty eighteen, um um 
Dixon Place had given me a, a spot in their hot festival for queer artists. Yeah. And it was a solo show. And so I then kind of created my own residency, not really residency, but I produced that show on my own. So I, that looked like me um, renting space. Shout out to Mark Morris for that. Um, mm-hmm. And their yeah. nonprofit rate. Yeah. Um, writing writing a show myself producing a show myself i hired some film my my effort collaborator muse dodd shout out to you muse um she um co-directed some films for me that were in the show yeah um and that is where i developed oh i'm lying whoops that is where i developed i really developed my work um Mm -hmm. but i was also in brooklyn arts exchanges meeting it um and that was happening at the same time and that meeting it ended (coughs) around this time last year actually in may yeah um and that is where i developed the first like five minutes of she looks at you through that program and then i just flew from there into the solo show for dixon place and so what i'm working on now haunts is kind of some segments and pieces from to bear the rose my show at dixon place was called to bear the rose a visual memoir mm-hmm. so i'm taking some pieces from that and i'm developing it even further into haunts mm-hmm. and to bear the rose is going to transition into a book and film project actually Okay, so tell me a little bit about what inspired she, she looks, looks at you, because that's where you're going back to for mm-hmm. this upcoming show. Judson, yes. Um, inspiration. I feel like my inspiration, a lot of it. I'm interested in this concept of self intimacy, um, of growing close to myself. Um, okay. As a means of healing. Yeah. And. I'm not, I'm not sure if inspiration is the right word for she looks at you because it is a conjuring of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's conjuring my experience with intimate partner violence mm-hmm. um, as a way to process it and to live with it. And for me, movement and performance is <laughs> literally like my way of processing and living and yeah. liberating myself and healing myself. Yeah. And so a lot of times I'll have experiences and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a show in five years. Yeah. Um, which is just on my honest way of, like dealing with yeah myself and also loving on myself and so she looks at you um came from a need to tell this story of uh, me experiencing intimate partner violence um in a queer relationship mm-hmm. in my first real relationship my first time falling in love um especially because that moment those moments that like year and a half that I was in that relationship has really shaped a lot of who I am now and also mm-hmm. has created moments within myself that really need some excavation I really need like some looking at Mm -hmm. yeah so tell me a little bit about hmm, hmm, how do I want to phrase this question so from my perspective yeah you've seen the work yes I've seen the work but that's not what we're going to get into Mm -hmm. just yet Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about how performance acts as a space of healing and uh, liberation, given that you're being witnessed and you have only control over what you're coming into. Um, I find, or at least I want to better understand how the process of witness, being witnessed, creates space for liberation and healing. I really want to See, we can put some words to that. Yeah, absolutely. I That's a great question, actually, because I've made a lot of shifts with that. Um, yeah. When I first performed this work, which um, was created this time last year, so mm-hmm. it's fun to be um, in full circle. Yes. When I first created this work, I in my, my creation and in my process was very healing and liberating, but performing it was not. 
I okay. Um, the first time I well, the first time I performed it, there was a little, there was a, a moment of um feeling really special of being witnessed by my community. Right when I performed it at Dixon Place, place particularly, um, it was my whole community, like everyone who who like loves on me and who had the opportunity to make the show, who was in town for it. It was um after Fourth of July, it's July sixth. Yeah. Um, it was it was healing, and also I was very under I was understanding that I was being witnessed as mm-hmm. in I was performing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the perfectionist in me, the Virgo in me came yeah. out and I wasn't present. I was also really depressed at that time. Yeah. So it was really difficult for me to really be present in the story that I was sharing beyond yeah. the fact that it was a story. And you feel like being present then gives way for the healing and the liberation. I think so. Whereas if you're not present, maybe you miss out on that moment. I, to I, for me, yes. I okay. feel like if I'm not present, I am very much occupied in making sure this turn looks like this and making sure that I'm enunciating and all of these things versus mm-hmm. getting lost in the work. And I performed mm-hmm. that work um, again. I performed it at Cracks of Light at Gibney, actually. Yes. In October, I believe, for Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And it was the same sensation of being preoccupied with performing. Yeah. And it was actually work up was the very first time that I was able to really be in the work. And that right. was how I realized that I wasn't done with the work. Right. So I think that... Uh, for me, a lot of the healing and liberating comes with the process. Okay. Um, and the process being like being in the studio day in and day, day out. Day in and day out, writing about the work. I have a deep writing practice that comes with my work. Yeah. I have a, I have a journal for every piece of work that I'm working on. Yes. Um, and so I kind of create little agendas for myself for the rehearsals. And also I reflect on what the rehearsal felt like for me. Yeah. Um, and those moments were really healing for me. The, the process of... of having space and having someone pay you really <laughs> shout right. out to residencies give me more right um to to be able to sit inside of yourself and research for me my performance is also a tool of research to research right. what it is that i'm feeling and experiencing right um and how i can conjure that out of my body how i can right. express that right that is where the healing comes in um, and I think it's tricky actually right. to find the healing in the actual performing. Right. Unle- and then I think it needs to be a container. And I think that's what's tricky about performances is that they are not a container. Anyone mm. and anyone can just watch it. Right. And so for me, it's super in- important for me to have the first witnesses of that work and the to be people of my community or people that, um, yeah, people of my community. I think if I've been considering possibly taking on haunts when it becomes a full length show on a tour. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I would need a lot of grounding in my community first, having witness and holding that space for me and me holding that space for them before I can ever really transition into taking that on to be witnessed by other people who don't know me and who I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's, um, I think that point is so important um to just uh just to um dive into because i i personally think that oftentimes as a young performer there's this push and advocacy from teachers from mentors etc to leave it all on the stage and use that as a space to really be vulnerable um and I think I am hesitant only because I'm like, why do I need to be vulnerable with you? Like, yeah. I, I don't know who you are. <laughs> um, however, I have found, especially with Jasmine Hearn's work, that the process of even acknowledging where vulnerability sits on stage 
is an opportunity to, like you were saying, do research on my relationship with vulnerability and how I can sit in vulnerability comfortable enough to enjoy this performance for myself, Mm -hmm. but also give someone some energy uh, that maybe they're looking for too. But it's such a, um, it's such, it takes time. And what I am also curious for you to talk about too is, given that you weren't present with those two performances, um, do you feel like those kind of, those performances were the practices that you needed to give you the space for Gibney to be what it was in terms of vulnerability and being able to seep into it and not be so preoccupied with the perfectionist elements of it? Yeah, you said a lot of things. Um, I'm going to touch on that yeah. first. And then there's something you said about, um, I forget, being in the, being vulnerable in the moment and having people witness you. So I think I definitely, hmm, I'm not sure if I needed those performances. I don't know if I'm framing it as a need for myself, but I mm-hmm. do think, hmm, I think that those performances were really instrumental um, yeah, in practicing the work. I think I needed time. And so mm-hmm. I, think I, I think those performances allowed me to be engaged with the work over time. And so right. I think that is really instrumental mm-hmm. in engaging with the work over time so yeah i yeah I, I guess i do think those experiences definitely informed my process for mm-hmm. sure um because it has allowed me to display the work and then change the work mm-hmm. and it also has allows me allowed me to be engaged with the people who are watching it because after as you know after performance is a post-performance <coughs> talk backs or discussions and yes those moments really stick with me yeah and I'm always i'm surprised each time because each time I feel like my work is very personal to me mm-hmm. and my experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, for me, because of the work being personal for me, I'm creating it for myself and then I'm creating it for my community. Mm-hmm. But first and foremost, I am creating it for myself. And I mm-hmm. think that is really tricky as a performer because mm-hmm. you are performing for other people. So for you to be creating work for yourself and meet and have to have meaning for yourself, it's it's tricky because... because then you it needs to be performed right Right. um and so you need that buy-in from other people Mm -hmm. right in order for i guess it does that mean is does that mark how successful you are is a question i have is as a performer for for it to be seen Mm -hmm. um but after i i performed those pieces no matter how not present i was someone was really present with my work right and that ties me back in and reminds me of why I, i i am doing it for myself and also I remember someone, um, several people after the, the, the first couple of showings um, came up to me and were like, "This I really felt that I this was my exact experience. Right. And it wasn't around a queer relationship necessarily. It wasn't around, I mean, someone talked about their sister right. um, and experiencing alcoholism, their sister um, experiencing alcoholism and um, seeing so much reson- resonation. Which, is, com- yeah, and, and which is completely some, different, completely different from what you were about operating. their best friend. Yeah. It's just completely different scenarios and yet the I- exact essence and feeling was captured. Right. Um, so that definitely brings me back. Right. And I also think that that's a really amazing point too that though you felt preoccupied with all these other things, this person is um, as seeped as you've been. Yeah. Um, despite where you may be and that's really really amazing that's 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 the ticket I think so and and also so particularly for she looks at you when I originally was thinking of it um there's a section at the end here's a sneak peek or I I won't give away a sneak peek but there's something I do at the end of the piece at the very end 
that in that for me calls the audience in yes um in a very demanding way mm-hmm. i think i'm i think i can think about i think we'll yeah. talk about it after <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's uh something that i do at the end of the piece and um that moment um it's a way i engage in eye contact i will say and the and the way i engage in eye contact for me at the end of that piece um is really me actually seeing who's looking back at me during mm-hmm. this entire performance because I'm really just seeing lights <laughs> and yeah. darkness while I'm performing it. Right. And there's a section where that changes. Um, and, I'm, and, I, and I do that particularly because I do think that there is a large privilege in being able to attend shows mm-hmm. and witness whether witness work, right? Mm-hmm. It's really special. And also it's a privilege of witnessing what someone else is creating and not having be in that being, um, having the experience of what the performer is doing, right? Because it is labor, right? The yeah. performing is labor mm-hmm. and witnessing it is also labor, but it's a different kind. It's also totally. a privilege. And also you're getting a gift no matter what, the, what performance you're viewing, you're getting, you're receiving a gift. Right. And so that was my moment of calling people in and, um, not necessarily making folks complicit in what I, what my story is, but also saying you've witnessed this now and you can't get away from witnessing it. Right. Right. Because it, it is it is now not just my story you've witnessed it and so there is some responsibility there yeah and i'm not quite sure what that responsibility is but for me a lot of times what i really want from people for people to take away from my particular work is for people to look at it and then apply it to themselves apply it to their lives right and see where they fit in and how they can grow from those places right right which is totally what i think i think about a lot with the podcast Mm -hmm. um I think I'd hoped really just to talk to people, but I I just remember sitting in my bedroom when I first moved to the city and um, wanting just to know more about who I was about to see or like who I'd already seen. Mm-hmm. And I'd hoped that someone in their bedroom could use these conversations yeah. to not only be inspired to uh, create whatever they want to create and um, do whatever they want to do, but to um, almost have like a blue, have like multiple blueprints. Because at this point, guys, I don't know if you guys know, but I think I'm on episode 18. Yes, congratulations. So we, <laughs> thank you, thank you. We're trying mm-hmm. here. We're we making some things happen. But I love that someone can listen and take what they want. They don't have to listen to a full episode. They don't have to listen to all the episodes. Mm-hmm. But they can take whatever they want and they can apply it. And there's a, you're a podcast also. And looking through all the the various kind of series that go on there's a lot there there are a lot of conversations yeah. that, that i mean sometimes we have to pay to have those conversations like sometimes yeah. we have to be at a conference or at a training um, yeah. for dancers or at a workshop that we paid for in yeah. order to have the access to that and also have access to know that a you're not alone and so think i want to yes. just uplift you in this oh, moment and thank, thank you for you. creating this space um for other performers um no matter where they are in their stage right because i think that that is really special that what you're creating um and also allows people to engage with it on their own ways and on their yes. own time yes and not have to pay to be in a workshop about it no either. well and i think so, comparable to your point going to see performance is a privilege mm-hmm. not only in terms of like having to pay for a ticket but in terms of like scheduling mm-hmm. in terms of like it takes time to take time to do this other thing. Uh, it, uh, performances aren't on at your beck and call the way that this podcast can be. Like yeah. I post it on a day, unless you're like, Katie, you need to post every day. And I'm going to be like, girl or guy or person, look. 
maybe, but not Possibly. today, <laughs> not today. Um, so yeah, as as you know, I think comparable to what you were saying, access is so important. Yeah. Um, and coming from Texas, where I feel like I didn't get to access all things equally, mm-hmm. I always, always, always want to just give somebody something that I didn't have. And I think that just speaks to what you're saying in terms of the performance that no matter how you received it, you did receive it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you do with it, like you said, um, I don't know where the responsibility falls, but how, like what you do after that is totally up to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like one of the beauties about performance. So in a way, I hope that the podcast is a, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a performance. <laughs> But speaking of performances, one thing you did mention earlier that I really want to talk about is residencies and fellowships. How did you finance, pay yourself? How did the how did finances play a role in this creative process? I'm really bad at that. <laughs> really bad. Um, for the original buy-in for the work, right? Was when I first created with Bax, we got I think we received a hundred dollars. Okay. Um, and also we were gaining a lot, and so that was awesome. Gaining a lot in terms of <clears throat> we it was a workshop, right. so meeting weekly. Um, Heather, sorry Heather, I'm forgetting your last name. Uh, Heather Maria Ox, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. She's yeah. a theater artist. Um, taught the class. Um, and it was originally Dan Fishback who created the class called Meeting It. Um, and so it's a workshop that you have week weekly, and you're in this community of queer artists. And that was really excellent. Um, and so financing wasn't a thing because the performance was really small. Mm-hmm. And I had the, my costume pieces. It was great. Then when I did it at Dixon Place, um, mm-hmm. a couple months later, I was completely out of pocket. And I maybe spent like $1,500. Damn. <laughs> I mean, I hired and a this was stage like manager. I hired... Um, and this is just out of your own pocket. You have another job. Out of my pocket. Because you work at day job. one. Um, I'm transitioning out of day one. And at that time, I was working there full time. Right. So this was completely out of my pocket. And right. I my, I mean, I did not get paid a lot at all at Dixon Place for that performance. Um, so it was out of pocket. Right. Completely out of pocket. And yeah, it was like $1,500 between renting all the space that I rented out for performance, between collaborating mm-hmm. with the film um, director, my friend Muse, um, between my stage manager, Morgan Johnson, um, and, and also then, shout and out to you for props. paying your friends. Yeah, of course. Just like shout out to you. <laughs> once I just want to really press that. Like you paid your friends. Yeah. And also um, the photographer, uh, my my piece has a lot of photography in it um, or the, the, the fullest version of it had a lot of photography in it. Um, Kaylin Jacobs. So paying her for the photos. Yeah, it was a lot of funding. Um, yeah. And props and all that and transportation. Yeah. Um, it was out of pocket. And I'm not doing that again. <laughs> In terms of you're not going to do that again, you don't want to spend that much of your I'm own money. I'm not going to spend my, that much of my own money. I will not. Um, and that is a hard boundary to set for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also makes me really dependent. And that's really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I've received support now, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this is what this feels like. I need more of this. Right. Um, and that, that doesn't mean that um, DIY work is not going to be done by me because I think that's really important. Right. Um, but that means that I, not to that scope and scale of $1,500. Right. Um, and then not paying myself any thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the investment was worth it for me. Of course. Uh-huh. And also 
Um, yeah, explain why it was worth it for you. I think it was worth it, worth it for me because I have the experience of completely producing something by myself. Right. Which is huge. Huge. That is major. Huge. I mean, a lot of people, it's the other way around. Like, you get the institutional support and then you right, produce something. Right, right. So I have a deep reference for for fellowships, residencies, whatever, because I didn't have that when right, I created that work. And also, right. I also know what I'm capable of. I mean, right. I was, I am, I was... I was 21. <laughs> um, like having, I mean, the institutional support that I'd had up until that time was Center for Perform- Performance Research's Fall Festival and Dixon Place right. and needing it from Bax. Right. And I had, that, that's nothing. My resume was nothing. And I and I, I had performed and I had jumped back into performance. So I took a, a hiatus mm-hmm. um, and I jumped in performance. But, and so my start entryway into performance was in 2017 when I, was in Nicole Shante White's um, another goddamn lesbian movie, which was a choreo poem. Excellent, and I was the lead role in that one right. of the lead roles. Um, and after that, um, so I my resume was nothing. Like yeah. literally, I had nothing on my resume. <laughs> um, so it was just huge for me. It's a huge deal for me that I was able to create that space and make that space for myself, right. having no not not even knowing what institutional support could look like because I didn't right. have it. Right. Um, so I think it was a huge feature for me to be able to do that at 21 in my first year back into performing my of first course. time ever creating a solo. I mean, evening length show. That was wild. Yeah. And I also hope that that's encouraging to anybody out there yeah. that um, hasn't. Even if you ha- I think sometimes, especially with dancers, dancers, are, I think, are so or performers are just so multi-talented that I sometimes, at least for me, I know I get nervous about like, oh, I produce this thing, but somehow I don't think I can produce this other thing because somehow they're not related when they totally are. But um, yeah, just go for it because I don't know if you guys know this either, but I had a web series. It's called What's That Step? You can find it on YouTube. There are five episodes. I had to pay for all of the filming. Mm -hmm. I had to pay for space when folks canceled. I had to pay for space when folks were there. Um, I had a look that I was going for. Those props had to be bought. Um, The time it takes to edit footage. Uh, Your girl was just out there. And even with the podcast now, um, I gift, like I said before, I gift all my guest books, at least those who want one. Um, I buy them water every episode. These ventures do cost. Um, and I actually don't know what institutional support looks like for a podcast. So <laughs> listeners, if you know of anything, shout out to Rebecca Fitton. She actually did send me something. But yeah, institutional support um, is great, but it is in no is it in is it in it is in no way a barrier and even if you decide to create a boundary for yourself that like I'm only going to work with institutional support I hope that you can find inspiration from both of us to just know that like if you want to make it happen y'all the podcast is called we making it like we is making it we claiming that we making it we making it happen and we making boundaries after we make the shit happen like we are always making things happen and I think it's something to know when you need institutional support and when you don't Right. So I will not create something of that large scale. Definitely not an hour long solo show. Probably without the support um, because I think I have it. But I think um, I'm in the midst of like, hmm. I think that folks can and should, <coughs> if they if you have the burning passion, burning passion, and not even if you just want to do something, do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm also in a denial period of just getting straight rejection letters. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> from all the things I've applied for. Yeah. Um, and that's been really tough for me. Of course. And my partner, uh, Jordan, the other day was like, you need to just make your own residency. And I was like, you need to have your practice in whether or not you have space or not. Right. Like, you need to maintain a practice because then when you get the space, then how are you going to know what, how to engage with it if you don't maintain a practice? And that right. is a huge shift. And my also my friend Nicole also said the same thing to me. Um, yeah. So creating your own residency or your own process or just making sure you have your own practice, institutional support or not, right. is super important. And that right. is something I'm learning for the first time right now. And my friends, Nicole and Jordan, really like seep that into my brain. Yes. Which this isn't a perfect segue, but it's something we def- I definitely want to talk about. How have you maintained wellness whatever that means to you throughout this process because we ain't out here ma- i mean if we are making out and making it out here on empty tanks i want us to talk about it but if we are working on full tanks you know and anything in between but all that to say yes how are you maintaining sanity wellness that, wellness wow your time you're so t- you're so timely <laughs> it's also mental health awareness month shout out may is mental health awareness oh, month. wow um yeah i gotta make sure I, I gotta make sure i really push this question this month too yes, okay cool which is great um because yesterday i started reading a book i started reading emergent strategy i'm so late yes, to it by it's, Marie Brown. it's it's huge um, shout out to pleasure activism as well um that came out as well um and i've had that book for literally like a year and a half <laughs> i haven't read it i got it I've had it for so long, and it's my first book of 2019. Can y'all believe it? I own so many books, but anyways, and I don't <laughs> read them. It's a problem. But anyways, anyways, um, wellness. I'm doing a really bad job of that, to okay. be honest, and I am starting now, May, actually. So it's crazy that you asked me that. Uh, yesterday was like, I'm doing my routines, Virgo. Um, <laughs> but um, a huge shift for me has been leaving my job. Okay. Um, I'm, I used to work full time at day one. I'm consulting for them now on my end date is in the end of June. I'm really excited to leave um, because I know that for me, I have so many ideas mm-hmm. and having a full time job for me is impossible with balancing everything else. I, I like I don't have time for myself, especially as a create as a performer, as a creator, as a maker. Mm hmm. I'm spending all, I was spending a lot of my time not doing those things or mm-hmm. doing those things in a different capacity, but not in the capacity that I wanted to do. So for me, right. I think the first step in wellness is making sure you have time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really excited for the summer and for the following to have more time for myself and to myself. And I'm excited now that I only work part time doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think making time, um, I can really tell you my plan. I think it's harder to tell you what i'm doing because i think the main shift that i have been doing is um is shifting from full-time to part-time yeah and in that that just means that i have full days to dedicate to um to my work um but it doesn't mean that i've been taking care of myself while making the work i mm-hmm. have not i think creating a journal for my each work is a way of maintaining wellness and a, a way of like engaging in reflection mm-hmm. uh, but my plan is to engage in a daily writing practice mm-hmm. to read every day mm-hmm as those are things that inform my work. And also, I think this is a huge challenge. Um, but I think to try to move my body every day, whether yeah. that is five minutes or three hours or four hours. Yes. Um, and um, therapy. I have a great therapist. <laughs> so I too. weekly therapy is a huge way of maintaining wellness for me. Um, and also prioritizing rest. That yeah. is something that I have not that I did not do. And I'm currently doing it now. I have a bedtime and I have a morning time. I try to go to bed by 11 o'clock, which makes me a grandma sometimes, but I don't care. 
Uh, because I think prioritizing rest and sometimes leaning into rest is huge. Yeah, rest is radical. And it's hard to do when I you're know. a performer, make your use in your body. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who told me that. It's I'd rest is not the rest is radical is not my quote, guys. That's <laughs> totally from someone else and I can't <laughs> think about it. Also, huge shout out to Talkspace. For those who don't know, I've been using Talkspace therapy f- for how we live today for about two years now. Wow. So yeah, it's I yeah, I can't even say it enough. And also I wanted to uh offer that jasmine hearn also has a huge writing practice if you remember guys from the first episode with jay Bowie, which was like back in december uh they talked about how they have a huge writing practice too so yeah. you're not alone and rebecca fitton shout out to her from episode two uh did a whole creative expression embodied practice of walking yeah. so you are definitely supported also i don't know if y'all know I walk a shit ton. Like, I walk way more. I walk as if I live in Texas. I don't walk as if I'm a New Yorker. I, so just to kind of, like, help you put it to numbers, I walk from Prospect Lefferts to Bed-Stuy all the time. Oh, it's no. so fun. <laughs> it's one of my favorite walks. It's a beautiful walk. I it's grew a, up in Bed-Stuy. I'm from Bed-Stuy. Yes, yeah, so it's a great walk. I also love walking from Union Square to the bridge. Oh, and then too. if I'm really, really feeling myself i'll do i walk all the way down broadway and then i'll walk over the bridge you know what i've done over the summer one what? of the best walks ever shout out because we both live in flatbush to yes flatbush. um from brooklyn bridge park it's yeah such a long walk yeah to walk to it's the house from brooklyn bridge park all the way yeah all the way over there like if you so i've walked literally across the bridge yes through brooklyn bridge park to the other side and gone taken atlantic down to Flatbush and walked all the way home. Yeah. Through the park. It was Brosby Park and it is amazing. It's like two hours maybe, but it's yeah. so nice over the summer. If you run it, guys, I think it's roughly because I've run from our house to I've run from our house. So I live I live right there in Prospect Lefferts off of Flatbush. I run from Flatbush to Gibney, two eighty. Mm. Wow. And that run is approximately six miles. So if you run it, it doesn't take two hours. Just for those of you who want to just give it a try. How long? Uh, I think I did it in like an hour and some change. Uh-huh. It's not a long run. Um, and I'm hoping to get back to running. But I say all that to say, um, to that, I also walk a lot as just a way to process, mm-hmm. um, as well as journaling and yeah. all the other people journal too. So you're definitely supported in that way. So before we get up out of here, you have to tell everybody about all these other things that you're doing <laughs> in addition to this performance yes. before we give a plug. Yes. And because I've been naming residencies and fellowships, I'll just name the ones that I have. I yes. Have two. Um, I'm a Lime fellow. Hey now. So um, I'm creating a performance called Black Breath, which um, has is a title from a, P, uh, from a work that I've curated actually last year. Yes. Um, and so that performance is going to be in September or October in yes. the garden. And I also um, just got Shea Bushwick. Hey, now. Um, Jonah, Congratulations. Thank you. Jonah Bocair Arts Foundation. Um, and so I'm working on Is My Soul Dragging My Body, My Body Dragging My Soul, the second part to haunt. So if you see me on um, Monday on May 13th, and you can also see the second part um, or how that piece transitions. Um, and my performance date is, I believe, July 24th and 25th. Yes. Or 23rd and 24th. Um, I'm also moving towards Justice Fellow with Gibney Dance. Shout out to Moving Towards Justice. Yes. Is Joe Sigmund over that? Hmm? Is Joe Sigmund like the big person for that? Like, no. Um, okay, sorry, Joe, but shout out to Joe. Um, I think they're doing some work with Community Action, which is like the overhead. Shout out to Kara. Shout out to Yasmin. Yes. So shout I'm out to with, Emily, my boo. <laughs> I'm working directly with Kara, Yasmin, 
Joy and Gina. Yes. And shout out to Joy. Shout out to Gina. Hey everybody. It's it's really good. So I'm um I'm creating a performance company called Shannara Rituals, um, which is a solo performance company currently, which is mm-hmm. cool. Um, because I'm primarily a solo artist. So yes, I am creating a solo performance company. Yeah. I'm working with it. Um, but through that I'm creating a program called Healing the Black Body and it is mm-hmm. a movement based um fellowship for black queer youth. Yeah. Um, so currently in this current edition it's for black queer youth between the ages of 16 and 21 hey now we have um it starts this weekend on may 4th yeah it ends on june 22nd so yes. on june 22nd um come to 890 give me um we're in studio three um from two to four yeah. you'll see the work of these artists so they are um, engaging in this fellowship that has components of um black feminism movement memoir meditation community building and storytelling and so they're yeah. the goals of that program are for them to define healing and liberation for themselves mm-hmm. um to create a pro- to make a creative practice that does those things mm-hmm. and to also make a performance and to grow as self-determined leaders of their own lives yeah so i'm leading these um young folks not really leading but i'm sharing space with these facilitating an opportunity yeah um for them to do those things in a container and then they are going to perform um in june and i'm trying uh to get secure grants and things like that for that program to really really grow that's really what i want to dedicate a lot of space and time to alongside my performance work yes yes and where can the people find you yeah you can find me on instagram at nana chanara um you can also find me on if you want to if you're interested in the program or just want to know more information uh chanara rituals.org um chanara is spelled c-h-i-n-a-r-a rituals.org yes and if you're listening to this on an app just rewind it and listen to it again <laughs> uh any last words before thank we get you. up out i just here? want to thank you again for creating this space yes and having me. yes so yes um Shout out to Mike Brun and Kuhu Verma. They are, Mike composed my awesome theme song. Kuhu is the vocalist for said theme song. It's beautiful. Yes. So shout out to them. I know sometimes I forget. But as always, guys, I want you to make it live. I want you to make it breathe. And even if it gets difficult to make it and you're feeling like this is like not working, just continue to make it because as always, I just want you to make it. Bye, guys.